Happy Easter, everybody. Happy Easter to all of you packed in here in the Northville Sanctuary and those of you uh, who are in the Knox Hall Overflow, good, good morning uh, and happy Easter to you over there and all at the Farmington Hills campus, happy Easter to those of you celebrating the resurrection there. Christ has risen, and that little word indeed in that historic refrain means it's true. It really happened. And on this day, all around the world, Hundreds of millions of people will gather to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They will gather in cathedrals and in churches and in homes and in storefronts and in schools and outdoors. They will gather even in places of the world where it is illegal to do so. Some will gather to remember. Some will go to rejoice. Some will go to recalibrate. And by that, I mean they will ponder the significance of the resurrection from 33 A.D. to life today in 2023 A.D. And that's what we're going to do here today. Next Sunday, as you have heard, we're going to start a new series all about Jesus called He Gets Us. And we're using as a springboard for these conversations those little television commercials that have been airing everywhere, these intriguing black and white images, surprising twists in the story. Anybody seen one of the He Gets Us television ads? Um, they're, they're really well done, and they are produced by an advertising firm right here in Michigan. The ads are designed to help Americans, particularly younger Americans, relate to the Jesus of the Bible. Americans today have lots of stereotypes about the church and about Christianity and about Christians, and this advertising campaign aims to bust through those stereotypes. But do you know who else has stereotypes about Jesus that need to be busted? You do. I do. Church-attending American Christians have, in a myriad of really small ways, made Jesus in our own image. And we're going to be looking at that. These, these little 30-second spots, they're not without their critics, and we'll talk about that as well, but these little 30-second spots have, you know, raised conversations, and they drive people back to the Bible. Who was Jesus really? And we're going to look at some of the things that Jesus said and did over the next few weeks. We're going to look at how he interacted with people And with whom? That all starts next week. When Jesus was first raised from the dead by his father, he didn't immediately ascend to be with his father in heaven. The Bible says he appeared to many people over a period of 40 days. And so today on Easter Sunday 2023, I want us to look at four conversations that Jesus had in that 40-day period after his resurrection. Four conversations of Jesus, four scenes, four, uh, uh, you know, visual sections, four reels, reels, R-E-E-L-S, four reels of the real Savior. And uh, and we're going to tag team this morning's sermon. Terrence Gray is going to help me preach. We're going to volley back and forth as a tag team preaching team. It is two preachers for the price of one. Uh, That's today's Easter deal. So let's watch our first reel and explore our first soundbite. For, for, for simplicity and memorability, we're going to summarize these conversations, these snapshots, these vignettes in two-word soundbites. 
And I believe the risen Jesus is going to speak to us today. Let's watch the first reel. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone, and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of them that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He is risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Eight-year-old Camille was riding in the car with her father one day with the windows down. It was a nice, beautiful, sunny day, and they were enjoying themselves until a little bee flew through the window and got in. Then it was utter chaos for a few seconds. Camille said, Daddy, 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 the bee, do something, do something, the bee. See, Camille was allergic to bees, and a sting from the bee could actually be fatal. So she was saying, Daddy, 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 the bee, the bee, do something, do something. And the father was trying to focus on driving and focus on the bee, and then the bee finally landed on the dashboard and... He put his hand on top of it and cupped his hand over it. And he weighed it, and he weighed it, and he weighed it, and then, ouch! It stung him right in his hand. He lifted his hand up. Camille said, Daddy, Daddy, look, the bee is still there. The bee is still there. Her father extended his hand and said, Sweetheart, the bee only had one stinger. And it's right here in my hand. I took that sting for you. You no longer have to fear. When Jesus Christ was nailed to the cross and buried in a tomb, he took the sting of death for his followers. And for two days, it looked like death had won the battle. For two days, it looked like death had done to Jesus what death had done to everyone else. For two days, it looked like Jesus was just a normal criminal, a rebel, a false messiah, just like the rest of them. His movement is over. He's done. For two days, his followers looked like fools following a fool. But on the third day, Jesus got up. When my dad was living on Sunday mornings, he would call me on Easter Sunday. And he'd say, Junior, he got up. And I know that my dad is up because Jesus got up. 
And because Jesus got up, it was clear that death had lost the battle. It was clear that Jesus just wasn't everyone else. And it was clear that Jesus wasn't a false messiah, that he was the one true king. And that his followers were not fools, but they were fellow heirs of the kingdom. And after his triumphant victory over the grave, Jesus tells his disciples to fear not. But sometimes telling someone to fear not is not enough to get them to fear not. Because sometimes people tell you to fear not and they can't really back it up. It's like me when me and my wife, at the time she was my girlfriend, we went on our first date. It was May 9th. 2014, I remember it like it was yesterday. And we went on that first date to the Memphis Zoo. And we found ourselves in the gorilla section of the zoo. And I'm trying to show out on my first date in front of my new girlfriend at the time. So I made eye contact with a silverback gorilla. <laughs> and I said, ah. <laughs> he charged at that glass, like a defensive tackle, like Aiden Hutchinson. And I said, Ashley, don't be afraid. <laughs> I couldn't do nothing if that gorilla got out. But when Jesus resurrected from the dead, he not only told us not to fear, but he gave us a reason not to fear. He defeated death. Matthew Gospel says it like this. The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I've told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. When Jesus resurrected from the dead, he not only told us not to fear, but he gave us a reason not to fear. Jesus backs up his words with actions. And though we live in a world where sin and death is very real, I never have to be afraid of it. You never have to be afraid of it. And though I have to exercise wisdom in a world that's full of evil and deception, I don't have to be dominated in my thoughts because of evil and deception. Why? Because death has been defeated. Death does not have the final say. Where, oh, death is your victory. Where, oh, death is your sting. Jesus is alive. And because he lives, I can face today, tomorrow, and the next day. And so can you. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, the disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands? 
Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe, Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. I have uh, many reasons that I love Easter Sunday, and seeing Terrence in a bow tie is not the least among them. You look great. Our, uh, oh, don't applaud that. Uh, our next conversation from the risen Jesus is to the apostle Thomas. The text says he was also called Didymus. Kind of know why he went by Thomas. Thomas is a very relatable apostle of Jesus. He was a good guy. He was a follower of Jesus. Unfortunately, people remember him for one reason and one reason alone, and that reason is doubt. We, we call him Doubting Thomas. That's only slightly better than Didymus. <laughs> he missed the meeting of the apostles where Jesus first appeared to them. And so afterwards, the apostles said to Thomas, you missed it. Jesus is alive. And Jesus was here, and Thomas said, I do not believe you. Jesus is dead. We saw him die. We saw him buried. I don't believe it. This is not an unreasonable thing for Thomas to say. Thomas understands that dead things tend to stay dead. Thomas says, I'm not going to believe unless I see it with my own eyes, unless I can take my hands and put them in the nail holes in the hands of Jesus and in his side. Until then, I will not believe. Sometime later, Jesus appeared again right before all the apostles. This time, Thomas is in the room. And I can imagine those apostles standing near Thomas started to create some distance. What if Jesus zaps Thomas? <laughs> but Jesus did not zap Thomas. What did Jesus do? Reach out your hands. Check it out. Touch my hands. Touch my side. The disciples learned something about the character of Jesus in that moment. It wasn't lost on them, and I hope it's not lost on us. That Jesus is not put off, deterred, afraid, or angry by your questions or doubts. In fact, in fact he, he welcomes them. He says to Thomas and to you and to me, reach out your hand. Now this is good news for those of you that came to church this Easter Sunday with more questions than answers, with more doubt than faith, to know that the risen Savior invites you to seek truth. That's the second soundbite of the Savior. Seek truth. First, fear not. And number two, seek truth. Seek truth. Investigate. Study. Explore. Ask questions. Consider the evidence. Read the Bible. Read history. Look at the facts. Listen to wise people. And then, once you've done your research, act accordingly. Follow the facts. That's what Thomas did. Thomas weighed the evidence, and then he dropped to his knees and said, my Lord and my God, I believe. I read a definition of atheism, of an atheist that goes like this. An atheist is someone who has researched and studied the issue, and based on their research has concluded that there is no God. Now, using that definition of atheist, how many real atheists do you think there are? 
Not many. Because we don't research. We don't explore. It's a lot of work to do that. We'd rather not think about it, perhaps. But we research lots of other less important things. I saw yesterday the, the most frequent Google-searched questions in 2023. Google tracks this from year to year, from month to month. And just in the last three months, uh, these are the most frequently Google search questions. And some of these three months, you might guess these are kind of seasonal. Uh, one of the top ten, when are the NBA playoffs? <laughs> also in the top ten, who is in the NBA playoffs? Where is my tax refund? <laughs> People want to know. Where is the closest pharmacy? I think that's related to the taxes. And the number one question people searched online in the last three months, and actually over the last few years, the number one question is this, how many ounces are in a cup? <laughs> Almost a million people search that question every month. Do you know the answer? I Google searched it, and it's not as simple as you might think. <laughs> the best answer is that in one cup there are Eight fluid ounces, if you're talking about fluid ounces. But then I read, apparently, uh, if you're talking about dry ounces, it is less clear and, and may even vary. For example, a cup of flour I read yesterday uh, is about 4.5 ounces. And then the measurements can vary from country to country. A cup in the U.S. is eight fluid ounces, but in the U.K., it is 10 fluid ounces. That's true. You can Google search it. We all ask questions, we all research, we all follow those rabbit trails of information, direct some of that curiosity to higher questions, to the highest question. Jesus says, search me, explore me, look for me, test me. And I think God brought some of you here today on Easter 2023 so you could hear the risen Savior say to you, reach out your hand. My suggestion is you take some time, maybe between this Easter and next Easter, to do some honest exploration of your questions. Do some homework. Search on Google, but don't only search on Google. Get a Bible and read it. Read uh, opposing ideas from different authors, attend Sunday services if you think it might help. But just know that as you are researching, as you are searching to resolve your doubts, know this, Jesus is not put off by your questions. He's not afraid of investigation. He welcomes it. He invites you to reach out your hand and to test faith. And maybe for some of you, that's what Jesus is saying to you this Easter. Let's look at our next conversation, our next reel, and explore our next soundbite. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord. He said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, Take care of my sheep. 
The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Was doing a little Google research this week. <laughs> According to Google, there are 2.3 billion active Instagram accounts. 450 million active Twitter accounts. And most of those accounts are operated by someone who wants to be followed. According to money.com, there are 400,000 individuals who create YouTube content for a source of full-time income. That's 400,000 people that want you to subscribe to their channel, smash that like button, leave a comment, and click the bell so you can receive notifications whenever they are released. <laughs> I spent a little time on YouTube. <laughs> Follow me. That can mean a lot of things. That can mean join my movement, join my cause, listen to my teaching, or just watch me be awesome all day on camera. So perhaps you come to church today a little oversubscribed, a little overwhelmed, maybe, by all of the options and all of the notifications and all of the requests. And if you're like me, you're asking questions like this these days. Who should I follow? What should I follow? And most importantly of all, why should I follow? With so much coming at us. In steps the resurrected Christ into our 21st century context. And he says these two words, follow me. He first said these words to his disciple Peter in the book of John, follow me. Now this isn't, this isn't some cute Christian t-shirt verse or some cute Christian coffee mug verse. Those two words, follow me, are actually very costly. Those words can be very costly. Today, Christ followers may lose their life over that word, and one day Peter lost his life because of that verse, follow me. And today people are celebrating Easter in places where the worship of Jesus is outlawed, and the name of Jesus is a curse word. And today people are worshiping Jesus and pushing back against evil and injustice like human trafficking, and they're putting their life at risk. And the devil doesn't like the name of Jesus being pressed forward into darkness. But when a man gets up from the grave, you go wherever he tells you to go, and you do whatever he tells you to do, and you say whatever he tells you to say, because that man got up from the grave. So faithful followers of Christ all over the world 
They persist in faith even in the dangerous places because they know that Jesus is the way to life. They have tasted and seen that he is good and nothing else compares to him. Follow me. Jesus doesn't need anything from you. He doesn't need your money. He's not trying to grow his following to boost his ego or to add to his followers. Jesus doesn't ask us to follow him because he wants something from us. Jesus asks us to follow him because he wants something for us. He wants you to have life more than you want you to have life. He wants you to have eternal life in heaven and the abundant life while you are here on earth. He wants you free from addiction, shame, guilt, past decisions that haunt you, future events that threaten to rob you of joy. He wants you free. He died on the cross for your sins to rescue you from yourself and to pull you up from the grave. He wants you free. He doesn't ask us to follow him because he wants something from us. He asks us to follow him because he so desperately wants something for us. And today, the resurrected Christ extends the invitation to each and every one of us, and he says, follow me. Let's watch our next reel. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Our God is a sending God. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, I now send you. And the risen Jesus, right before he ascended to be with his father, said to his followers, go out. Go out into the world and share the good news of my grace and my power and my forgiveness and my redemption that's available now to every regular human being through the power of the cross. Go out and serve the poor and the downtrodden and the discouraged. Go out and be peacemakers and reconcilers. Go out and join God in his mission to renew all of creation and to reconcile all of humanity. You will be my hands and my feet. You will be my ambassadors and my representatives, and I will change the world through you. And imagine those first century disciples now really wide-eyed. You're going to change the world through us? Yes. I will work in you and through you, and your life will be an adventure. When a love-starved person is introduced to the love of God for the very first time. When a lonely person experiences the richness of community. When a shame-filled, guilty person experiences the forgiveness found in Jesus Christ. When a wandering person suddenly finds purpose for their life, it is amazing and it creates a transformation in the life of that individual. And then it kind of sets off a chain reaction, and that transformed life begins to influence other people, and their lives get transformed. And so spouse affects spouse, and parents affect kids, and friends tell their friends, and coworkers clue in their colleagues, and after a while, little networks of Christ followers are being formed. 
And then churches get established and ministries get launched to really help people. And soon, change is breaking out all over. The poor get cared for. The hungry get fed. The sick get visited. The lonely people get loved. Needy people get served. Wounded people start becoming whole. And before you know it, a corner of the world is changing. And I believe some of you are here today, that God brought you here today, to hear the risen Savior say to you again, go out. Go out. This is not about playing church. This is not about being a consumer of religious goods and services. Jesus did not say, come and sit. He said, go and do. This is about changing the world. Now, you all do that in your own way, and if this is a new thought to you today, my suggestion is that you start small, right? You meet the needs of a neighbor. You start a spiritual conversation about Jesus. You join a team from your church. You do something because the risen Jesus says to you and to me, go, go. Four instructions of the resurrected Jesus to his first apostles and to us today. Four instructions, four commands, and I don't know which one you needed to hear Jesus say to you today, but I'm guessing it was at least one of these. Maybe you needed to hear Jesus say to you, fear not, because there's a part of your life that's gripped in fear, and you need peace and release. Maybe you needed to hear Jesus say, test truth, that you need to be invited to present your questions in honest exploration and seeking. Maybe you need to hear Jesus say, follow me, because you're surrounded by people begging for attention, and maybe you've gotten off track. Or maybe you need to hear the risen Jesus say to you, go out. I want to change the world through you. I just pray that whatever it is that you heard Jesus say today, whatever it is that you needed to hear, that you would respond to the risen Jesus. He is the one who has overcome death. He is the one who has defeated fear and shame. He is the one who promises to be with you always. He is the one who will raise you up. He is the one who will come again someday. The risen Savior calls your name. Will you listen? And will you allow the risen Jesus to raise you to new life? Let's pray. Well, God, this Easter Sunday... We remember and rejoice in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Allow the words of the risen Jesus to recalibrate our own perceptions and our actions and ultimately to change our lives and then to change this world. May the resurrected Jesus raise us to new life. Worthy is the Lamb. This we pray in the name of the crucified and risen Savior Jesus. And everybody agreed and said, Amen. Amen.